are Locked On Timberwolves, your daily Minnesota Timberwolves podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network. Hello and welcome to the Locked On Wolves podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. My name is Ben Beacon. I'm the host of Locked On Wolves. Happy Wednesday, everybody. Welcome to the show. Today, I want to talk about a couple of things Wolves related that have gone on on The Athletic recently. Just kind of talk through mock draft. Um, also, a uh, Sam Vecini, the fantastic Sam Vecini, also, he did the mock draft. He also put together a couple of weeks ago now a, a ranking of 50 rookie scale prospects that I somehow missed at the time that I want to talk through. There's a couple of Timberwolves that hit that list. So I'll, I'll discuss their rankings, kind of the context around it and uh, the, the Timberwolves implications surrounding that. And then also Bleacher Report recently did, they had a couple of, uh, of, of their better writers that put together rankings of the top 15 players at each positions and then overall the top 100 players. Today, I just want to talk about where Carl Anthony Towns landed on their list of the NBA's best centers and uh, my thoughts as, as to where his ranking ultimately was um, on, on their list. So cover all those things here today. Before we do that, a quick reminder to please subscribe to this podcast on iTunes, Stitcher, Spotify, Google Podcasts, wherever you get your podcasts. Follow us on Twitter at Locked on T-Wolves. That's at Locked on T-Wolves. Don't forget the T. All right. So Mock Draft 6.0 by Sam Vecini over at The Athletic. Of course, The Athletic is a subscription site, so I'm not going to be able to read everything verbatim in order to protect that. If you have a subscription, I'd encourage you to check it out. This was actually just posted on Tuesday of this week, so it's it's hot off the presses from, from Vecini. Um, this is somehow his sixth mock draft already. We're, of course, now uh, really... I mean, what the, the lottery is August 25th. So we're talking like almost exactly five weeks, just, or just under six weeks, I guess. And then three months out from the draft, which will be October 16th. Um, of course we just went through over the past few weeks, uh, kind of took our time during the latter stages of it, but the top 21 on my current Timberwolves big board, we're going to take a little bit of a break from that as we wait to get closer to the lottery. I have been amending it and it's kind of a living and breathing list as I've mentioned. So we'll get back to that, but I want to cover a few different things here the rest of this week before we dive back in today though. I, you know, anything draft related, any significant mock drafts, any major news that leaks, of course, we're going to talk about that. So, uh, just given Vicini does a great job covering the league and the athletic overall does as well. Um, I wanted to talk about his mock draft. He did the tankathon lottery, uh, I guess, shuffle, if you will, to, to randomly generate an order based on the lottery odds. Of course, when he did this, the Timberwolves got the first pick. It would be just the Wolves luck to get the first pick in a draft where there isn't a consensus number one player, but whatever, I guess, I guess Gerson Rosas, I'm sure would gladly take the number one pick. Um, and then that way he gets to pick whoever he wants. Um, even if there isn't a, a Zion Williamson or an Anthony Davis or a Blake Griffin or whoever at number one, um, at any rate, the Timberwolves landed number one when he shuffled the lottery. And with all the players on the board, Sam Vecini picked Anthony Edwards for the Timberwolves. I have talked at length on this podcast about why I do not really care for Edwards overall as a prospect. I did still put him fairly high on my big board. Um, in the first edition, I actually did have him second simply because of the upside and because of his fit with the wolves. If the, if the wolves got the number one, a positional fit, I should say, if the wolves got the number one pick, I don't know that they would actually take him. And the more that I've dove into Edwards, the more I've soured on him. And, and I don't think he'll be number two on the second edition of my big board. Uh, but all the points, if you look through the points that Vicini makes about him, his size, his lightning quick first step, his ability to blow by defenders with that first step, um, to his athleticism, his ability as a slasher. Um, and then you look at his cons, which are 
eh, his, his handle's a little bit sloppy. He could improve his dribble, tighten it up a little bit. Um, he is, well, his mechanics look good on his shot. He's not a consistent shooter. And sometimes he doesn't play as hard, but maybe that had to do with the team he was on, et cetera. I, somehow there was no parallel drawn here to Andrew Wiggins. I've been saying this for weeks now, and I'm going to say it until I'm, I'm blue in the face. The comparisons between Anthony Edwards as a prospect and Andrew Wiggins as a prospect are really, really similar. And I don't know if, if Wiggins was the consensus, number one, because he was so good in high school or because he played for Kansas, whereas Edwards played for Georgia, which of course is a, a middling at best NCAA program. Why is the parallel not being drawn here? This is it's like it's like the Spider-Man meme of of Spider-Man looking at himself. I mean, that's what this is. Um, the pros and the cons on a draft profile for each of these guys are, are nearly identical. And yes, the idea of an ultra athletic slasher with a solid jumper and great athleticism, and he should be a good defender. That all would fit perfectly between D'Angelo Russell and Carl Anthony Towns. It's basically what. Josh Okogie could be if he could find a jumper and, and get a little bit taller, I guess, right? I mean, that's what Josh Okogie's a great fit. He just isn't a great shooter and he also doesn't have great handles and, you know, he's more of a slasher and a transition player. But the idea of the best case Anthony Edwards or the best case Andrew Wiggins is a great player for this team. The Wolves, if they're going to take him, whether it's first, second, third, or if he slides to fourth or fifth or wherever the Wolves pick, they need to be confident that they can get the best out of Anthony Edwards. I, that's true of any pick, of course, but. I think there's so much room. The floor here is is probably Andrew Wiggins, and the Wolves just moved on from Andrew Wiggins after five years of overpaying somebody to underachieve, you know, with with flashes and teases here and there. And I'm sure Edwards could do the same. But if you, I don't buy the like the motivation because he was on a bad Georgia team. You should be more motivated to to take over games, to you know, drag your team to success, to showcase yourself, even if it's maybe a little bit more selfishly motivated. I could I buy that Andrew Wiggins being a little bit more lackadaisical for KU because that team was so good versus Edwards being lackadaisical for a bad Georgia team. I, I just don't understand how that's a that's a valid excuse for this. And and the more I look at Edwards, I mean, if the Wolves if he's on the board at six and the Wolves fall to six and some other you know, Killing Hayes is gone and some of these other guys are gone, I'm not gonna be super upset if they take him because at some point the value and the potential upside and the ceiling outweighs the concerns about the floor. Uh, but taking him first would scare me. It would. And and I fully and wholeheartedly admit I have scar tissue as a Timberwolves fan, as somebody's followed the Timberwolves for many years and has watched um, you know, way too many terrible games. I have plenty of scar tissue. But there's real parallels here between Anthony Edwards and Andrew Wiggins. And it's not simply the scar tissue speaking. I can promise you that. So all that to say, if the Wolves get the number one pick and and, and select Edwards, I would be surprised. However, this part of Vecini's point is he's a better fit for LaMelo Ball, or better fit than LaMelo Ball, I should say, because of the defensive concerns with Ball and also Ball's best with the ball in his hands. Do you really want to take it out of D'Angelo Russell's hands right after you acquire him? Um, James Wiseman isn't a fit at the number one pick, of course. He's a center, and yes, he could probably play next to Towns for stretches, but it's far from ideal. Um, Denia Vigia, that would be quite a reach at number one. Anyeka Kongu is not likely a fit, certainly not at number one. Um, we've talked about Killian Hayes was number one on my big board. Uh, this particular mock draft by Vecini doesn't have Hayes going until number 10 to the Wizards. Um, I, I just think with some of the other guys on the board, if the Wolves ended up with the number one pick and, and really 
many teams that would land the first pick would probably try and trade back in this draft to pick up additional value later in what's what's starting to look like a deeper draft than I think people realize. And maybe this is just, you know, people talking themselves into the draft the more that they look at it because we've had so much time or pick up draft capital in the future to trade back. I think there will be, you know, kind of this clamoring to, to try and trade back. Um, but because of that, I don't know how much value there's going to be in that number one pick versus having the two or the three. Cause I think teams are each going to have their own preferences and their own biases towards certain players. And it's not going to be kind of a cut and dry. Oh, Zion's number one. Oh, Anthony Davis is number one. You know, Derek Williams and Kyrie Irving are one, two in some order or whatever, whatever that is. Um, there's less of that this year. You can look at five mock drafts and four of them are going to have different guys getting picked number one. So, um, all that to say, that's my Anthony Edwards rant. That's my concern with Anthony Edwards. Again, his ceiling is probably as high as anybody in the draft, if not higher, but the floor is what scares me. And the scar tissue of Andrew Wiggins and Timberwolves fandom is real. And I think we need to, uh, we need to consider that as the Timberwolves, uh, look at their top selection in this year's draft. Okay, now that I'm off my Andrew Wiggins, Anthony Edwards parallel soapbox, something else Sam Vecini did that I somehow missed a couple of weeks ago was he released his overall rookie scale prospects ranking of the top 50 prospects in the league. What that means is uh, if you're a baseball fan, uh, baseball prospects, of course, there's prospect ranking lists of everybody in the minor leagues. Um, Teams have dozens of guys that they feel like have major league futures that are playing in the minors and casual fans aren't even going to be aware of. So there's people, it's their job to rank these prospects. There's top hundred across the league. Every team's got their top 20 prospects or whatever, you know, MLB.com, baseball, America, fan graphs, everybody ranks players. Um, this is similar to that. And then also with baseball, you've got your arbitration, um, system. So basically six, six years in the major leagues for a baseball player, you're under team control before you're eligible for, or before you need to be extended, you can go year to year, essentially the first three years you're on a fixed contract. Basically the next three years you go to arbitration to try and get money. It's, it's kind of indentured servitude and it's a little bit messed up in some ways, but that's how baseball works. Basketball of course has nothing like that, but they do have rookie scale contracts and, and basically first round picks are, are typically on a team for a guaranteed three years. And then there's option years as well. Players can then be extended to max deals or, or what have you after that. Um, and so this exercise by Vecini is to rank all the players on the rookie scale. So first and second round picks, undrafted rookies, anybody that has not yet signed an extension at the NBA level and rank their worth league-wide. What he did first, and I also missed this somehow, but back, I don't know, nine months ago, like last fall, around the start of the, the 1920 season, Vecini ranked every team's players on rookie scale contracts. And then more recently, he compiled them all into a top 50. Spoiler alert, the Timberwolves only have two players in the top 50 of players in rookie scale contracts. Of course, you look at the Wolves roster, there aren't that many guys on rookie scale contracts. Of course, Towns and Russell already have their max deals. You're looking at um, recent first round picks. So Jarrett Culver, Josh Okogie are the two that immediately come to mind. Technically, Malik Beasley is still um, on that list, although he's about to hit restricted free agency. You've got the two-way guys, so um, Keelan Martin, Jordan McLaughlin, 
you've got Nas Reed, Jalen Noel last year, second round pick. And of course, Reed was undrafted and signed the, the partially guaranteed four year deal. Um, those are the big names that are on those deals. I guess technically, um, Omari Spellman, Jacob Evans, those guys aren't going to, aren't going to sniff a list like this necessarily. I mean, I guess Spellman could, um, but he wasn't on the wolves back when this list was initially ranked, uh, last fall. So, um, that's kind of the premise of this list. And I want to attack it first from the overall, the Timberwolves list and how Vicini had ranked the Wolves and then take a quick look at how he ranked the two Wolves that are on his top 50 and, and what his reasoning was for that. So going back and looking at Vicini's post from last fall, of course, most of the players on this list aren't even with the organization anymore, or they played the entire season in Iowa. Uh, but the top two players are Jarrett Culver and Josh Akogi on his list of rookie scale players for the Wolves coming into this year. He had Culver ranked ahead of Akogi. Of course, Akogi coming off of his rookie season and Culver um, going into his. And Vicini talked about how he had Culver ranked as the fifth best draft prospect. Of course, the Wolves got him at number six. Talks a lot about how his ceiling is probably something like Chris Middleton, uh, borderline all-star if he becomes a, a really good three-point shooter. If he's more of an average three-point shooter, then he's a league average starter. Of course, he wasn't there. He was under 30% from three. He was under 50% for the free throw line. Um, and so we'll get to where he falls now in uh, in Vicini's rankings here in a minute. Akogi was number two. Talks a lot about how he's a solid role player and underrated as a rookie, a good defender, uh, but his shot is an issue. He also talks a great deal about Nas Reed, who had number three and how much he had Nas Reed ranked uh, 33rd or 34th on his big board headed into the draft. Of course, he went undrafted. And a note that that I hadn't heard is that Nas Reed could have been selected multiple times in the second round and teams were interested in in drafting him. Um, but he was he told them he wasn't interested and decided he'd rather pick his spot. Um, so he actually chose to sign with the Wolves initially to a two way deal. And then I wonder um, yeah, clearly summer league had an impact on what the wolves were deciding and promoted him from a two way deal to an actually a, a partially guaranteed four year deal. Um, and, and Vicini talks about his ceiling as, as a really solid backup center with the ability to shoot threes and score in the paint, et cetera, which is pretty much exactly what we've talked about on this podcast for his, his upside. Um, he has Jalen Noel fourth, and then we get into some of the guys who aren't with the team anymore. Kate debates Diop, um, some summer league guys like Tyus Battle. He has Jordan McLaughlin seventh on his list and thinks he's kind of a fringy backup point guard, uh, You know, perhaps somebody who'll go play in Europe. And a lot of the things he said about McLaughlin actually came true. So I'm, I'm pretty impressed with the analysis of some of these players from back in the fall. So segueing into, into the current list, which was just posted um, less than a couple of weeks ago by Vicini about his overall NBA rookie scale prospect rankings, I was surprised with how low Culver was. And granted, he had a bad rookie season. He just did. It wasn't It wasn't good. Um, it's hard to spin it. But there were still so many stretches where there was the clear upside that I would think that he still would have managed to be in the top you know, 30, 35. But Vicini actually has him ranked down at number 48 on his list of rookie scale players. Um, and he includes a, a snippet of what he said in the preseason about him as a good prospect and then says as part of his addendum, this is a direct quote now, quote, I should have added if Culver is a sub 30% shooter, he'll probably be bad. Culver was really, Culver really just was a mess as an offensive player this year. His shooting held back everything. Um, and quote, he goes on to talk about basically he was decent except for his shot. And, but his shot was so bad that it dragged everything else down. He was really good in transition. He was solid on defense for a rookie. All those things are true, which is why I thought he'd still rank a little higher. Um, everything we know about Culver suggests he, he completely reworked his shot from year one to year two at Texas Tech. Clearly, we already know he's been working on that a lot this offseason. I think that the upside with Culver is still 
pretty solid as a uh, potential starter in this league. So I was a little surprised at him ranked 48, but it's, it's, it's tough to get too upset about it. The other one that I want to, that I want to mention is Malik Beasley, who he's actually got ranked 47. So one spot ahead of Jarek Culver, um, at the start of the year, he doesn't have his overall individual rankings league wide at this from the start of the year, but he had Beasley ranked on his nuggets list. Um, after Jamal Murray, um, after Michael Porter jr. And he was number three on the Nuggets list. At the time, of course, he was in the midst of turning down that three-year, $30 million extension that Denver offered him. Um, Of course, that ended up being very smart. He had a a solid year for Denver before he was traded, even though his minutes were down. And then he averaged almost 21 points a game, shot just under 43% from three and 14 games in Minnesota. He's going to get paid more than 10 million a year in in restricted free agency, almost surely. Um, And so Vicini has him at number 47 and basically says you can make an argument for putting him higher. So the Wolves only have two of the top 50 players on the rookie scale rankings, according to Sam Vicini at the athletic, and they're at 47 and 48. I, you can make an argument for putting them both a little bit higher. Of course, Beasley's about to exit this list anyways, with his extension, um, whatever he ends up getting this off season. But both of them are wing players. Both are players that um, have upside remaining, certainly, and both and they're very different players too. Culver's going to be more of the defensive playmaking type. Beasley's going to be more the catch and shoot, um, slashing, both dangerous in transition. Uh, but they both, I think, are likely to make impacts on the Wolves beyond next season. I think the Wolves keep both of them in the fold for several years and uh, continue to to try and develop that upside for for both players. All right. Lastly, I want to get into. Carl Anthony Towns and his ranking by Bleacher Report in the top 15 centers league-wide. Okay, so I want to talk about the Bleacher Report ranking of the top 15 centers in the NBA. This was done just last week by Andy Bailey and Dan Favel, Favol. Not sure exactly how to say that, but I know Andy Bailey's uh, uh, been there for a while and does a really good job. But ranking the top 15 centers this season, they did this with each position and then did an overall top 100 players ranking, which I want to talk about later this week because there are, of course, a couple of Timberwolves and some recent former Timberwolves on that list. So there's a lot to talk about there. Of course, Carl Anthony Towns is a top 15 center. Everybody knows that. Um, And everyone knows he's a top 10 center. So some of these names that are in the top 15 that that you could certainly argue about Christian Wood of the Pistons is 15. Jonas Valanciunas of Memphis now is 14. Derek Favors, 13. Montrez Harrell is 12, which is surprising. I probably put him a little higher. Brooke Lopez, 11. Steven Adams of the Thunder is 10. Serge Ibaka of the Raptors, 9. LaMarcus Aldridge of the Spurs, 8, which still seems a little bit high at this stage in his career for him. DeAndre Ayton at 7 which of course he had a good year and he was the number one pick just two years ago, but a little high for him as well. Nikola Vucevic is number six. So then we get into the top five, Bam Adebayo at number five. Of course he had a great year, but um, feels a little high for him. Rudy Gobert at number four. The big question is always the Gobert versus Towns. I think the consensus right now is that in some order, Joel Embiid and Nikola Nikola Jokic are first and second in some order, and then Townsend Gobert in some order are third and fourth. Those are certainly your top four. I don't think there's any arguing that. I think there's a big drop off after that. They all bring slightly different things to the table. The way that the top four are ranked here is Gobert four, Towns three, Joel Embiid two, and Jokic at number one. I can't really argue with this ranking. I think maybe 18 months ago I would have before Jokic had his complete breakout and before Towns had the tough year without Butler and then the injuries this year. But 
this order could swap very quickly. I still would argue that Towns has a higher ceiling than Jokic because he has, uh, obviously he's a better shooter. He's, he's not as good of a passer, but he can pass and he has skill passing the ball. He had his best year assist rate wise and, and, um, court vision wise clearly. And his shooting range is big. He is, is a, a big factor. He's also got more athleticism than Jokic and can impact the game more defensively if he shores that up. So I still think the upside's higher. I also think Embiid's upside is higher than Jokic. You could argue between Embiid and Towns. Um, I think that's a tougher one. But at in this ranking, it's hard to argue with Jokic at one and Embiid at two. I like putting Towns ahead of Gobert simply because I think the offensive upside is more impactful than, the, than Gobert's defense. Although I wouldn't fault anyone for putting Gobert ahead of Towns because he is so dominant defensively. I just think the ability to get, you know, make four or five threes a game in his sleep essentially is so much more valuable in today's game um, coming out of Carl Anthony Towns. So in part, what they say about the ranking for Towns is that there are only uh, the list of, so the list of players who had a better offensive box plus minus than Towns through the first five seasons of their career is short and impressive. Here's the list. This is offensive box plus minus. So one of many stats, but a pretty good summary of overall offensive skill over the first five seasons of a career. Michael Jordan, LeBron James, Vince Carter, Chris Paul, Nikola Jokic, David Robinson, Charles Barkley, and Kareem Abdul-Jabbar. That is a list of Hall of Famers and soon-to-be Hall of Famers. And then, you know, Jokic is on track. If he continues his trajectory, he'll probably get there too. And that bodes well for Towns. Um. Also noted here, Steph Curry is the only player in league history who matches or exceeds Towns' career marks for points per 75 possessions and true shooting percentage. And that he also showed signs of improvement this year. We've talked about this here on the show. Regardless of his injuries, he only played 30-some games this year. And um, he averaged a career high in points, assists, made threes, effective field goal percentage. His rebounding was down slightly and his defense appeared to stagnate a little. But there was a shift in schemes. There was obviously a lot of turnover on the roster and Towns was battling with some nagging injuries throughout the season. Um, and he's still a solid shot blocker. He's shown glimpses of improvement on that side of the floor. But if he becomes an average defender and continues his offensive improvement over the next few years as he enters his prime, we're talking about the league's best center. I mean, he could pass Jokic fairly easily. He just needs to affect winning a little bit more as Jokic has proven to be able to do. And now that Towns should have a stronger supporting cast, the upside of Towns is still... I think the highest on this list and ranking him third feels right. I will wholeheartedly acknowledge that this season right now, Jokic and Bede and arguably Gobert could all be put ahead of towns, but I would also follow that by saying that could be very different in 12 months, 24 months, whatever that might be. Um, if towns continues his progression and continues to grow alongside D'Angelo Russell and under Ryan Saunders and with the leadership of Gerson Rosas, this guy really still is the limit for Carl Anthony towns uh, to be sure. All right, later this week, I want to get into that top 100 list at Bleacher Report. I want to talk a little bit more draft, of course, and um, a few other small nuggets here and there from around the internet about the Timberwolves. So we will we will get to that later in the week. That's all we have for you on today's show. Thanks once again for listening to the Locked On Wolves podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network. Remember, the Locked On Network is your local experts on the biggest stories. Subscribe to this podcast on iTunes, Stitcher, Spotify, Google, wherever you get your podcasts. Follow us on Twitter at Locked On T Wolves. That's at Locked on T-Wolves. Don't forget the T. Now, tell your smart device to play the most recent episode of Locked on Fantasy Basketball. Once again, I'm Ben Beacon. This is the Locked on Wolves podcast, and we'll catch you next time.